This is an ABC podcast. It's funny how it just like hints a little insight into your history there. The 90s, I'm like chords. You're like siphoning petrol. <laughs> On. Hello, Zan. Hello, Miff. How are you feeling after the debut, the debut of your television show last night, the Take Five with Zan Rowe, that went incredibly well? Gosh, it was beautiful. Thank you. You watched? Of course I watched. It was just, it. not only was the content beautiful, I think I told you, but the, it looked incredible as well. It was just beautiful. It was an intellectual and visual feast, <laughs> Zan. It was amazing. This is your pick of the week? Really, absolutely. Oh, my God. Because I'm still you. watching Heartbreak High, which I'm living for. I love it. I want a, a quick apology to Heartbreak High fans. There is actually an episode called Rack Off, and I said I hadn't come across <laughs> Rack Off in the series yet, but there is an episode of Rack Off. But back to you. How are you feeling? I feel good. I feel um, a little bit exhausted but also exhilarated, if you know what I mean. And just, yeah. just so, so excited and stoked that – Everybody kind of got it because, you know, when you work on something, if anybody's ever worked on anything and you get really close to something, there's a certain point where you're like, I think it's good, mm. but do I know anymore? No. What, what's real? What's not? What does it look like? You're just so inside of it. Yeah. And so to open it up and release it to the world and also to have people who have never, ever heard of Take 5 and they're you know, meeting the concept for the first time mm. and just loving it, but also the people that have listened to my Take 5 for, you know, 15 years yes. and saying, this is beautiful, this is the heart of the podcast. Like we worked so hard to to make it true to what, you know, the idea is and to the heart of what the, the Take 5 is and, and I think that we did that really well. But to see other people who listen every week to say that was just yeah. amazing, really special. So, so you, you had all the original people on board but then you and you brought them with you and didn't make them feel alienated and yeah. you got a whole bunch of new folks. Didn't fuck it up. Exactly. You didn't <laughs> fuck it up. And that's... Thank you, Mama Roo. Didn't that, fuck it yeah, up. That's the least. You know, that's that's the, that's what you want. You want to not fuck it up. Yeah, it's as simple as that. And you want people to like it, that's and you want, you want people to be moved by it. And I feel like you did that with that beautiful first episode. Well, thank you. Congratulations. Thank you to all the Bang Fam who watched. Many of you tweeted your support even after, um, you know, chatting last week and me having those pre-party anxiety nerves. Mm. Is anyone going to turn up? I had a lot of beautiful messages into my DM. So thank you to everyone for literally watching it, supporting it. And, um, yeah, it's going to run for the next four weeks with Keith Urban coming next week. You'll get to see me in Nashville, Tennessee. Oh, yeah, Sitting I down wait. with Keith Urban. Oh, that's good. He's a lovely fella. I've chatted to him. He's very nice, isn't he? He's really Very down nice. to earth. Yeah. Very down to earth. Did Nicole turn up? Are we going to get a, a little slither of Nicole in the to, shot? I have to wait and see, Nicole. We have to tune in at 8 p.m. this coming Tuesday on ABC okay. TV. Good, good hook. <laughs> Very good hook. Oh, she's always closing. Look, it came <laughs> a night after what was the end of an epic rolling coverage of Queen Elizabeth II's passing. The funeral finally happened on yep. Monday night. Every network was broadcasting it. I had it on in the background. I was kind of on my phone a little bit, I'll admit. Did you watch? I watched a little bit of it because I'd flown back from Sydney that day, so I sort of came in and turned it on and it was on in the background as I as I got some dinner and you know I did I did watch um I went in and out same as you it was it was a very long funeral yes there was lots of slow marching lots of just slow tv in general mm. a lot mm. of mournful sounds yeah a lot of military things mm. 
beautiful shots from inside the church, though, I've got to say. What an extraordinary building from up high. How's my review? I know, lots of military things. You know the best bit, though, and I think, look, everyone's talked about the funeral. Everyone's done with talking really about this, I think. Mm. We've had more than appropriate amount of morning time. Um, and I think the highlight, there was there was a highlight for me and and no disrespect, of course, for the seriousness of it, but the, the spider that made a little impromptu appearance on the card mm. on the Queen's coffin, little I like to eight, think. eight-legged friend. Eight little eight-legged friend that took us all by surprise. Um, would you call that crashing a funeral? Do you think funeral crasher? Funeral crasher, spiders, many legs. Like that's an interesting crash. Where did it come from? Oh, the flowers. All oh, right, lived in the flowers. Obviously, chosen specifically. It but hitched feel- a ride. Imagine the 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 spiders just all of a sudden crawled into a little petal, dug mm. down and gone. Oh, this is cozy in here. It smells pretty good. It smells good. I'm Next just gonna minute. have a little lie down. <laughs> Just going to have a lie down in the, in the Billions bowl. of people watching you in the middle of can, Westminster Abbey. Can you imagine your eight eyes would just be bulging going, what, what, where am, what, have, I, what have I done? I love that thought. And then scurrying off. It's like a nightmare, isn't it, waking up naked in front of billions yeah. of people in the middle of a church. That little spider is living all of our nightmare. I know. I know, and not just the eyes of the church on you, the eyes of the world. Apparently something like eight billion people watched or something. Yeah, it's a big funeral. Look, I mean, I think that the spider crawling all over that note shows us that life does go on mm. um, and nothing nor no one is sacred. You know, spiders will crawl over all of us if we're given the chance. Mm. This is my insight into the spider, <laughs> the little eight-legged friend. It wasn't the only thing, though, that interrupted proceedings and kind of you know, distracted us from what would have been a planned to the T. And mm. from the commentary that I did here, Queen Elizabeth herself was very involved in the planning of her funeral. She designed her car, yeah. her funeral car. The, the, all the cars, on were, her. Yeah, the cars were good. I love that, the fact that she's just gone, look, my, my family are useless. I know that now. They're not going to get it right. I'm just going to do it myself. That is, I'm so designing my own funeral. Yeah. <laughs> she's absolutely speaking my language. But there was this moment when everyone was filing in and that took a while as well and you saw all the dignitaries and the commentators trying to figure out who was who. But there was a moment when all the bishops rolled in and they stood up quite close to the coffin mm. and uh, one of the bishops accidentally dropped a, a little piece of paper and it was the size of a, a palm card or a cue card mm. and it just fell on the ground and I thought, okay, just pick it up, pick it up. It didn't, didn't pick it up. No one picked it up. Every shot for way too long, <laughs> the long shots, the aerial shots, I was like, there it is, I can't deal with it. And you I was just what? thinking this meticulously planned funeral and there's this little white card that is just sitting there infuriating everyone. I was just hearing the screams of people in control rooms all over the country. Joel Creasy put it perfectly. I saw he, he tweeted, oh, thank God they've picked that piece of paper up from behind the coffin. I couldn't believe it when old mate dropped it. My anxiety couldn't take it. And I was so there with it. I was like, pick up the paper. At some point, someone very discreetly picked up the paper, but it was there for far too long and but I was not comfortable with it. What if it was your notes, like you had to go and actually speak at the funeral and you've dropped your notes? And Next to the coffin. And you're thinking, how am I going to get up there, pick it up, get it up there? Because if I don't have my notes, what have I got to but work But there's the with? choice, isn't it? It's like, do I distract by kneeling down and picking it up or do I just leave it there? It's a choice, isn't it? It is a choice. So I what thought happened? way too long. Someone picked it up. It was done when the cameras were turned around. Someone must have just, like a ninja, gone in there and oh. just fixed it. Or a stagehand in the, all black. One of the ball kids from the tennis. 
I reckon, <laughs> popped in and did a bit of that low creep and just ran in there, grabbed it. We talk, you know, before we started, we said we've got to do this respectfully and I feel like we're not doing a very good job of this. But, you know, funerals are fallible things, aren't they? They're fallible things. They're life, they're spiders, they're bits of paper dropped. Mm. I liked that there was some real life going on in this funeral. Yeah. And maybe that chapter is closed now for a very long mourning period for a, a very big figure. But also, as we mentioned last year, someone that not everyone was – observing the morning in the same way. We spoke about Caitlin Moran last yep. week, which is the NRLW player who she spoke out about her feelings on the Queen's mm-hmm. death. She was uh, pulled from the field for an off-field manner, one of the first times, I think the first time that's ever happened. Yep. Um, a proud Indigenous First Nations woman, and the reaction to that was um, pretty shocking in terms of people just sort of saying what's going on. In the follow-up to that, Stan Grant has written a beautiful editorial and you might have seen it pop up because quite a few people have shared it. It's brilliant. It's just, it's brilliant and it's heartbreaking. And he's written a story for ABC News Online, which I do want to put in the show notes and encourage you to read yourself. It's titled, After Queen Elizabeth II's death, Indigenous Australia can't be expected to shut up. Our sorry business is without end. And he speaks about, you know, that expectation of, not talking about all the things that many people have wanted to talk about, colonisation, empire, violence, Aboriginal sovereignty, you know, the Republic, all of these things, the Prime Minister and everybody else saying it's not appropriate, there'll, mm. be, in, there'll be time for this, not now. And as we sort of said last week, if not now, then when. But talked also about these swirling emotions and this choking sense of, of anger um, at the suffering and injustice that his people have endured, something that is directly tied to the royal family who we have been observing intensely in a very singular way in the last week. And he sort of poses this question, you know, why do I do this? Why do I write this? Why do we have to explain ourselves? Why does he have to expose himself and his family to more racist trolling and abuse by speaking up? Yeah, which is something that I think we talk about a lot. It's like using the platform, being a good ally and not just waiting for First Nations people to have to represent and relive that trauma in that representation But he almost, in the next sentence, answers that. He says, because a voice is all we have. Mm. And too often that voice is silenced, like this week. You can read his voice, his story. It's incredibly personal. It's beautiful and heartbreaking and brilliant. And I'll put that in the show notes. It's a fantastic read from the incredible Stan Grant. Now, if we love a bit of bird talk on Bang On, um, we do love to dabble a bit in ornithology, and you particularly love watching the infamous peregrine falcons that nest at the top of a building very high up in Collins Street in, in Melbourne CBD. You've got some updates for us, some Game of Thrones-esque uh, updates on the peregrine falcons. I think I remember talking to you about the falcons last year. During We were still in lockdown this time last year. Hard to imagine, but mm. we were, and I got 
slightly obsessed by watching the live feed. It's 367 Collins Street, Peregrine Falcons. If you want to go and look it up, it's on YouTube. There's an amazing Facebook group that has just been popping off like you wouldn't believe <laughs> in the last week or so. Things are getting really dramatic. Love People that you're are on the getting Facebook angry. Group. Oh, it's it's actually more entertaining than the live feed. Just highly recommend anyone going on there because they have a fact sheet and it's called FFS. So it's it's Falcon fact sheet, but it looks like everyone's saying, for fuck's sake. <laughs> On it, but I think some of them are at times because this has been full on. We've had two peregrine falcons for the last couple of years since 2017 that are bonded. They were a pair. They breed. They're a couple. They were a couple. They they breed for life. But what I've found out subsequently, until someone dies and one of them dies on the reg, like there's just death and destruction everywhere. Anyway, this couple were great. They shared the nesting. They did all the good things. Like it was 50-50, really equal relationship. Peregrine falcons are the fastest animals on earth and probably one of the most violent in terms of how they, you know, they kill their prey, they bring it up to the nest, slap it down, chew it up. It's pretty grim. Um <laughs> Anyway, they're up there and um, we've, all things are going well. She's sitting on her nest. Her eggs are there. She's had four. But we found out that she's a new girl. The old one's gone. Oh. So either she's killed her. This is like Which maths. happens. She's either killed her or she's died. Either way, we don't know. She's just turned up. So the old fella, who everybody calls Dive Bomb Dad because he dives <laughs> off the ledge. He just kind of so drops. so much going on. He just drops off the ledge. He's beautiful. I love him. But... <laughs> He's an older fella too, and that's why the younger ones come in and take him. This must be like prime real estate for peregrine falcons. So she's moved in, possibly killed the old lady, the older mum. He's still there, but now a younger one's come in who's basically taken this falcon, the female, and is doing what he wants with her. But apparently male number one, Dive Bomb Dad, is still around. They haven't had an almighty fight, and I'm ter- I'm really sad because I'm really attached. Just a reminder, to we're talking about peregrine falcons right now. I know, but I'm really attached to Dive Bomb Dad, and the only way he's going to go is is if he's killed. Oh my god! So it's horrific. So what episode are you up to now? I'm um, yeah. <laughs> This, it is like Days of Our Lives. It goes on and on and on and on. It's and so detailed. It's amazing. And that you, like, you saying that you're interested in this, if anyone ever had a doubt, I've never heard so much detail about this love triangle <laughs> or what the hell is happening on this building at the top end of College Street. Uh, it's bonkers and everyone's on board, but everyone's really upset because nature is taking its course and that's very difficult as we anthropomorphise these animals, mm. which I tend to do. Yes. I'm calling him Dive Bomb Dad. Yes. I miss him already. Yes. But he's going to die. You're probably. part of the problem. I'm part of the problem. Mm. But anyway, there's now articles in the newspaper about this, everything that's that's going on at, uh, at Collins Street. You're not alone. I'm not alone. Um, I... I, I I encourage everybody to get on the Facebook group and just enjoy. <laughs> Much like we beautifully watched Freya on the webcam and so many other Bang Fam got on board, yeah. RIP Freya, the Peregrine Falcons webcam is going to go off after this episode of Bang On oh, Goes absolutely. Live. <laughs> but no one knows exactly where it is in the building. There's no way that human beings can get near it. It's very well very protected. Very protected, yeah. It's been like that for years. This is this is serious business. Only the experts are allowed in. And we can come in with our thoughts and ideas about how it should be, but nature. You can write articles about it or even record podcasts about the Peregrine Falcons. I could have done a whole podcast (laughs) on this. I'm so invested now. So glad I asked you this. Speaking of podcasts as well, you gave me a great uh, heads up on something that had happened about a a podcast that I feel like just about everyone I know was obsessed with in 2014, which I can't believe it was that long ago, the very first season of Serial and the story of the death of Heyman Lee 
and the person accused of her murder, Adnan Saeed. Mm. Now, there's been an update on this case, which has been fraught with questions about a retrial, about mm. how the first trial, as we you know, heard in the podcast, was maybe not delivered and executed in the same way that it should be. Yeah. What's been going on with the Adnan Saeed case? Well, Adnan Saeed has been serving his life sentence for the murder for, in 1999 and uh, in what is deemed to be quite a remarkable reversal. He, he walked out of prison. It was only on Monday. He's been in there for 23 years. That's Can wild. you believe yeah. that? He's been fighting for his conviction. He's always said that he was innocent uh, and that he had nothing to do with the case and there's a whole lot of dodgy stuff that went around it. If you've listened to the podcast, you'd know all of that. Um, but apparently he's not exactly a free man at this point there will be more investigation. I'm not exactly sure. I think they've got to decide within 30 days whether they retrial, but they've dismissed that trial. They said it wasn't fair and just. Yeah. And he's free until they figure out whether they do a new trial Mm. in the right way. And have better evidence. Yeah. Because they essentially didn't have the right amount of evidence. And this is really interesting because I guess it comes in the in the wake of Teacher's Pet, the podcast mm. that encouraged a reinvestigation into the murder of Lynn Dawson mm. by her husband, Chris. Mm. And he's actually now uh, been convicted of that murder. So there are a lot of these early true crime podcasts that encourage greater investigation into these trials. And for some, um, it's it's put a spotlight on the decision-making of the courts, the investigation by the police at the time. And I think some very valuable new investigations have been done. Um, you know, my, uh, it, it's really hard when you see things like that and you think about the, the family, though, that are involved. Like, we might be pleased that, that Adnan is free and that some justice has been served, but we forget that they've all been living this for years and years and years, and the family of the murder victim have, mm. are, are continuing to live that nightmare. Mm. So I think it's it's with great care that we look into these decisions because it just means it's it's continuing and ongoing. I think for it's these also poor like families. yeah, a reminder to even you saying that these true crime podcasts, TV series, all of them. Just remember they're real lives, they're mm. real people, they're real tragedies that happen and I think that we kind of start consuming them as entertainment yeah. and forget that. And I think we did with that very first serial because it was when podcasts were new too mm. and um, I, I remember listening to it and being blown away by the level of investigation and it was, it was to me it was like a new form. It was This whole case was tinged with the idea of a new broadcasting form and I thought that was really interesting and I think a lot of people got on board because of that. Um, and it's good to see that there's been some positive perhaps repercussions of it years down the track. Yeah. But I also think it's probably spawned quite a few that might re-traumatise a lot of people. I'll put this article in the show notes if you're kind of curious about the things that both sides have said, including the family of Heyman Lee. Mm. Um, I'll chuck that in, in the show notes. And also a link to the serial podcast if you kind of that passed you by. You are one of the um, not millions of people that <laughs> listen to it. Um, the, you can still listen to that now. Hey, do you remember a couple of years ago when Mariah Carey released her Brilliant biography, The Meaning of Mariah Carey, mm. which I have read. I know. I've listened to. Yeah. One of the best audiobooks you can ever engage with. And at the time, she sings to you. And at the time, um, she revealed in this audiobook that she had 
secretly recorded a grunge album in the 90s. Mm. This is what it actually sounded like. Now, I will say that's actually not her voice. That's her, no. her roommate, her old roommate and her bestie, Clarissa. We talked about this at the time, didn't we, when yeah. it came out? Yeah, it was huge. It was yeah. huge news. And Mariah did backing vocals, um, but it's kind of, you know, been quiet and was buried without a trace for 25 years until she started talking about it. She's come back this week and spoken about on a podcast because it's the 25th anniversary of Butterfly, which was the record that she released around the same time. Mm. Um, and she said, oh, you know what? I'm going to dig it up. I'm going to re-record the vocals and I'm going to put this album out. <laughs> Good on Why not, Mimi? Good on Would you buy it? Yeah, absolutely. You can't. You don't stream it. it. <laughs> no one buys music anymore. No, no. And look, that song doesn't sound so good. There, another one sounded a little bit better. There was there, so nineties and dirgy and heavy, yeah. like just like. Yeah. I could just feel the tracky dacks on the couch and the beanbag and the cords. And the bong. I'm wearing cords, yeah. and um, they're getting soaked. The bottom of them's getting soaked while I'm oh, running gross, to a gig gross. with rain and beer. Gross. So one of my friends is rolling a rolly and yeah, having oh, a God, bong and, dollar pots. And <laughs> Siphoning petrol from somebody else's car. Oh, was it? I'm sorry, Mildura, Red Cliffs. Siphoning petrol from someone's car. Just to get there. Petrol's expensive, Zan. Petrol is expensive, or it was. I mean, it still is. It's even worse now. But you can't. It's funny how it just like hints, a little insight into your history there. The 90s, I'm like, cords. You're like, siphoning petrol. Sure. Sub-Zeros. Do you remember Sub-Zeros. those? Sub-Zeros. Yeah. I'd be smashing the Sub-Zero and listening to Mariah Carey's grunge record. If I'd have known, if I'd have known that it was, I would have given it a listen. You would have loved it. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> I, th- I probably thought I was a bit cool for Mariah back in those days. She's going to do it. It was called Chick. The project was called Chick, mm. um, which is a name that I don't know if that would fly these days. Uh, but she's not only going to be re-recording those vocals and releasing it, she said she's going to be doing a a mysterious thing with another artist. Ooh, who could it be? Who would it be? Mariah Carey and... Gavin Rossdale from Bush. I don't know. <laughs> well, Adam Levine's in a bit of trouble from Maroon 5. Oh, so um, he, might need, he might need a bit of PR. He's Louise. <laughs> what a wild time. There you go. Anyway, just an update for the Bang Fam. And yes, uh, The Meaning of Mariah Carey is one of the greatest music biographies you'll ever read. Okay. I still haven't to. read it or listened to. You should have a listen to it. I'm going to. While you're fixing your bathroom. Let Mariah sing to you. Oh, yeah, that's true. I'm going to need it. The other thing that's happened this week is that Nick Cave and Brad Pitt are exhibiting their ceramic artwork at a Finnish gallery. There's a sentence. 2022 <laughs> continues to give. Never thought that, the, I mean, who would have thought this would happen ever? That they'd even know each other, let alone be able to. Don't all famous do, people know each other? I don't know. It's the Illuminati. Do they, do they the have Illuminati. a, yeah, I think you're right, actually. Like, do they just go. Is there a nod, a secret nod, and go? We can do anything. We can we can be anywhere. We can be anyone we want to be. It's just like they shake hands, and one of them's got a bit of clay, and they're like, yeah. "Oh, you're in the club." Yeah. Well, better show me your pottery wheel. This is I the know. the I secret know. sort of. 
But also, where the where do they get the time? Where does Nick Cave get the time? Like, he's had a lot on, a lot of tours. <laughs> A lot of tours, a lot of writing. I lot love of re- that you're concerned about his diary. I know, but he's still got time to go and fire stuff in a pottery kiln, make it in the first place and then fire it and then create the painting around it um, or the or paint the actual pottery. Yeah. Where's he got the time for all this? Glaze it. Are you looking for the word glaze? Yeah, Glaze and it. fire. Glaze, glaze. I've forgotten. I've forgotten. <laughs> the- I'm so traumatised from my high school ceramics when someone lost a bit of a finger in that machine where they, you know, where you put the clay back in. Oh, my God. And it does, it cut off a bit of his finger and we had to spend a whole classroom looking through the clay <laughs> no! for a piece of the finger so that it, could be taken to the hospital and sewn back on. You will never forget that. I'll never forget. So, yeah. So every time you see some ceramics, you're like, is there a little finger there? <laughs> this reminded me, though, reading this article, that Nick Cave was an art school student, and mm. so many musicians are. They, you know, meet and form bands at art school. So he actually studied painting at the Caulfield Institute of Technology in Melbourne. That's right. And so he has game in the art world. Mm. Brad Pitt, however apparently got into pottery when he separated from Angelina Jolie and understandably found it quite meditative and soothing. Yes. We've all seen Ghost. You know, the spinning of the wheel. Oh, don't do that. God, my my understanding of ceramics is so messed up. It's Ghost <laughs> and that phallic bit in the middle and someone losing a bit of a finger. No wonder I'm traumatised. Body parts everywhere. <laughs> Yeah, um, he, Brad Pitt talked a beautiful, uh, he sort of said some beautiful things. He said his his work, his artwork is about self-reflection. It's about where I've gotten it wrong in my relationships, where I have misstepped, where I am complicit. So he's really working through some things. Is there a handle on the cup though? Because that was always hard to put on the handle on the mug when you were making the ceramic. <laughs> That's what made, I want to know. I never made the and cup. And what does it represent? I never made an ashtray. <laughs> I made some very shit pots that were like you could call them pinch pots, but that would be generous. Oh, absolutely still terrible! Got them? Oh yeah, they sit out in the garden um, because no way known would you ever want them inside the house. They're just there, <laughs> getting moss growing over them. I love that. Thanks for the support, Helen. Hey, you know what Nick Cave also said about creating ceramics? He said, in preference to performing to huge audiences around the world, he said that. Performing for 10,000 people is not nearly as exciting as opening a pottery kiln. Spoken like a true boomer. Yes. <laughs> and I'm ready for this world. <laughs> I am ready for this world. Oh, I love it. I'll put that in the show notes. You can see what it actually looks like and uh, you can head to the exhibition if you're anywhere near Finland. Yeah. Hey, before we get into Bang On this week, yeah. just a heads up, uh, we're having a little bang break. We're yes, going to we be are. taking, well, I'm going to be taking three weeks off. Because I've been... I'll just be sitting around twiddling my thumbs, <laughs> just waiting for you to come back. I've been burning the midnight oil. Um, I've been making a TV show. I'm just, a, I'm a little bit teddy tired. Mm. And so I'm just taking a bit of a break. And um, Where are you off to? I'm going to Thailand. Oh my goodness, how fun. Yeah, I'm really excited. I'm actually, um, I think I talked to you about, banged on about Moon Age Daydream, the beautiful David Bowie film. And watching that inspired me so much to kind of go somewhere that I hadn't been to or hadn't been to in a long time, and particularly to Southeast Asia because there's a lot of it shot in Southeast Asia, that I just went, oh, screw it, I'm just going to 
go to Thailand. Yeah. So I've never spent time in Bangkok. I'm going to spend a few days there. It's wild. And I, I haven't it. been to Phuket in like 20 years. And when I went, I went to a gross part of it and it was yuck. So did I'm you gonna... go to a full moon party? Uh, I did actually. <laughs> yeah, I did. And okay, this is such a loser story. So I went to, um, I didn't book any accommodation. Mm-hmm. I got one of those horrendous ferries, which are incredibly dangerous and sometimes sink overnight, took hours with a bunch of other stinky backpackers with my brother, which I was just like, oh, so uncool. I was like 17 and he was four years older. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, you're a loser. And we just turned up on Kopangang and there was nowhere to stay. And we just sat there in this kind of like real estate agent's office. Um, try- and he was trying, that was so sweet, just trying to find us somewhere to stay. And we literally couldn't find anywhere. And we slept on their couch and then got the ferry back the next day. Oh, that's awful. <laughs> and didn't even go to the party because we were just so down on ourselves. Oh, that's awful. What a waste. What a waste. Making new memories. Yeah. I'm not going to be going to a full moon party. That sounds like my worst nightmare. Oh. I'm going to go and chill out on a little beach and just relax. Yeah. So I'll be away for a few weeks um, and back with you uh, and the Bang Fam on October 20. Mm. So we'll miss you, but I'll bring back stories. Yeah. One night in Bangkok. One night in Bangkok. What are you banging on about? Um, I haven't read the book yet, but a great article came out by Bridget Delaney, who's written a book on uh, stoicism, which I think is going to be really, really interesting. Love her writing. Yeah, I love her writing too. And she's there's a kind of a, a, a I guess, a condensed um, article about what the book will be about, which I definitely will read. But it's called Inject That Stoicism Into My Veins, 10 Tools of Ancient Philosophy That Improved My Life. And... Um, I love the idea of this because I feel like we did a lot of talk on Bang On maybe a year ago when we were still in lockdown. We were talking a lot about how to, you know, that self-care mm. business and we, we now we're back in the world. It's easy to forget mm. and I think it, when I read a lot of these suggestions on how to how to face a few challenges in your life, I was like, oh, I've really started to let that side of my life go. I've been too busy. And so it was a really great reminder not only to read her, her forthcoming book but also just to remember all the stuff that I learned while I was locked down and, and how how much better I felt, you mm. know, because I think a lot of it's kind of gone out of control. So just really simple stuff. Work out what's in your control. She's got uh, you don't need to judge everything. Money, health and reputation are out of your control. Practice the conditions that you fear. Practice imagining death. All these things that sound a little bit grim, to be honest, but um, I think essentially it comes back to the worst can happen and it might happen. Mm. Prepare yourself. Don't worry about others' reactions. Mm. All of that. And I just feel like I, I don't know about you, but I feel like I've lost a lot of the the knowledge that I gained mm. through being still, through thinking things through, through having time to respond and allow myself time to respond. I feel like a lot of that's gone out the window a bit. Kind of whiplashed our way back into a lot of bad habits, haven't we? Yep, yep. I didn't like this one. Moderation is a virtue. Uh, (laughs) Not here for that. (laughs) All right, interesting. Yeah. And the end one is try to relax. (laughs) Telling someone to relax is a fresh thing to do. Calm down. 
Just calm down. Try That's, to relax. Yeah, it's a good thing to say to me today. I'm just like fried. Yeah, exactly. But I love this idea and I love her writing. I think mm. that she really just captures she, – she's very plain speaking as well. She like she's really direct, always very funny. You always hear her voice. The book's called Reasons Not to Worry, How to Be Stoic in Chaotic Times. Perfect. And I think that's something I'll probably have to read when it comes out. But this article is a nice reminder of some of those ideas. Unreal. Okay, I'll put that in the show notes to get us primed for Bridget Delaney's new book. Great. What are you banging on about? I'm banging on about an excellent new podcast called Sonic Symbolism. You might have heard about this. It's a new podcast that Björk is putting out. She's got. She's talking about her new record. Well, she's talking about her whole back catalogue. So she's releasing her new record at the end of next week. It's her tenth album. It's called Fasorda, and in the lead up to that, she's put together this podcast, which, from what I understand, she's made over the last couple of years while you know the world has been still while she's been in lockdown. She's made it with two friends of hers who are also Icelandic, a writer by the name of Odne Ear, and a musicologist Asmundur Johnson. And they're both really interesting and beautiful. I particularly love her writer friend because she's just like, she's got a very philosophical way of of thinking about Björk's music and the world around them. And each episode goes through a different record. So, you know, debut into post, into homogenic, into Vespertine, into medulla, and it's just going to keep on going. Mm. And it's it's so compelling because you can tell that she's really relaxed because she's with friends. She's also just great chat you know Mm. she really opens up herself to a whole bunch of you know wonderful conversations and reflections about her music um but also just listening to all these songs again just reminds Mm. me of like how big a part she's played in my life and in I think many of our lives and just how much incredible music that she's made Mm. and there was one bit that really grabbed me I want to play this to you because when I heard it I was like oh that's funny see what you think of this this is a bit from the podcast, um, the second episode of the podcast, where she's talking about post. And Odney, the, her writer friend, is um, speaking with Björk about that particular record. I think also, looking at the lyrics, it's a lot about somehow the alchemy, like about like putting two different elements together. What mm-hmm. In each song, you're putting very different elements together. Mm-hmm. And uh, the outcome... And each song is very different from the next one. So you you feel that it's about that process a little bit. Yeah, maybe that's why I picked like hot pink and orange because it's like two hot colors that kind of clash when they're together. So it was very much about that sort of friction. <laughs> She's bang fan. Yeah, he's bang fan. <laughs> I love that. I heard that and I was like, oh, my God, is that what you represent? Two hot colours that clash. <laughs> I'll take that. I I'll love take that. that. Sure. That's great. And you spoke to Björk as well. I, well. I listened to all of this ahead of chatting with her on Friday night last week. I zoomed into Björk's house in Iceland and I spoke to her for an hour. <gasps> what did the background look like? She didn't have the video on. Oh, she's a wise woman. <laughs> Damn, that's all I wanted to know and she knows that's all we want to know too. There was a Pitchfork article that was released today, though, where they, of course, Pitchfork went to her house, which I believe is on a small island. Of course it is. In Reykjavik. And uh, they've taken photos inside her house where she's got, like, her own reverb chamber and all kinds of magical things. So I now know what it looks like. I now know the rooms that I was talking into. Yeah. But, yeah, I had the very great honour of speaking with Björk for the very first time. Have you ever interviewed her? 
Back in Triple J days, maybe? Oh, my God, I did a phoner with her. Yes, of course. No, Double J, a couple of years ago. Oh, my God, amazing. <laughs> when she came out and did a DJ tour. Yeah. Yes. She's so She's awesome. She's delightful. Like, and also just the, the... Gosh, it took me a while to remember. I was like, <laughs> and, and I was like, what was it? would it have been for? Because it wasn't an album, and that's why I couldn't... She came out and did that quite... incredible exhibition where she had all the 3D videos at yes. Carriage Works, and she yes. DJed in the corner of a room, and everyone was weird about it. It was Well, I was there. I was weird about it. I was weird about it, too. Looking at her. She was, and she was wearing a mask, if I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah. Which I totally understand. And all the lights were off. Yeah. Hi, Bjerk. Hey. But she was just fantastic. And so, um, yeah, that's going to be coming to Double J. If you're listening as soon as Banging On drops, then it's going to be played out the first part of it this Friday on Double J. And then the second part, more extensive chat about the whole record next Friday when it is released. And, of course, it'll be on demand everywhere as well. But, oh, my God, she was just so beautiful. You've had a big week. I'm tired. I bet you are. (laughs) Well, now you get to have a holiday for three weeks. Thanks. Enjoy it. Have a beautiful um, time. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll come back rested, refreshed, and with a great poolside soundtrack to share with the Bang fam. Oh, yeah, good. Get get ready for those poolside beats. They will do your head in. <laughs> Bring <laughs> it on. <laughs> <laughs> Just want some quiet. Yeah. I'll just be listening to Bjork talk to me. Exactly. Oh, she's beautiful. Rolling her eyes. Yeah. All right, babes, I'll see you in a few weeks. Have a great holiday. Thank you. Bye. Bye. on. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. You can discover more ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listener.